Gender. Body acceptance. Abortion. Sex. Racial justice. Feminism. Birth. Parenthood. Stigma. Bodily autonomy. And more. This is Reproductive Left by Mabel Wadsworth Center, an independent, feminist, nonprofit, comprehensive healthcare provider in Bangor, Maine. Join us as we explore topics that impact our sexual and reproductive health and lives. Here are your hosts, Catherine or Kat Chevery. Kat uses she, her pronouns and is our office assistant and community organizer. And Aspen Ruin. Aspen uses they, them pronouns and is our client and community advocate. Hi, I'm Kat and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Aspen and I use they, them pronouns. We're here today with the second installment of Interview with a Trans Educator on Reproductive Left. Aspen, if you're willing to take on this next question, could you tell me why you think gender reveal parties are completely unnecessary? I would love to take on that question. And from how many times you've heard me complain about gender reveal parties, I think you knew that would be my answer. Um, I think that, oh boy, with gender reveal parties, it's, it's complex, but it's also really simple at the same time. Um, My first issue with gender reveal parties is that they aren't gender reveal parties. Uh, You know, when expecting parents, you know, they, what they're revealing is the sex of their, you know, soon to be child, the sex of their fetus that they have had tested. And this is, you know, the result that came out of that test. I will also just take a second here to pause and say that I think, you know, parents who choose to, at least in the beginning, you know, before children can identify themselves, parents who choose to raise their kids in a more gender neutral way, I think that is beautiful. And I also recognize that it's not going to be the right approach for everyone, especially in this society that we have that really is dependent and built around this gender binary that we've created. Um, So I just want to preface this to say, I'm not saying that like, if you don't raise every single infant to be gender neutral from the get go, you're a bad person. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I know a lot of parents who have, you know, young little ones, you know, from newborns to like two or three, and I mean older too, who, you know, their approach is, you know, the child's assigned gender at birth. You know, they pick a name based around that. They use language and pronouns based around what that assigned gender is. But they're also really honest with their kids about why they use the language for them that they do. You know, they might, obviously how you have that conversation with a kid is going to depend on their age um, and what language they'll understand. But basically explaining to them that like, hey, you know, when you were born, um, you know, your assigned gender is male. You know, the doctor said you're a boy. And the reason that the doctor said you're a boy is because you have a penis. And a lot of people who have penises end up being boys. If you end up not being a boy, 
that's okay and we'll always love you and just tell us if you want to be called something else. Um, it's really that easy to raise your kid and let them know that if they're trans, you're going to love them. Uh, but back to the topic of gender reveal parties, I just wanted to get that out there. Um, because sometimes when I say the reasons that I am opposed to gender reveal parties, people will say that like, I just think we should get rid of anyone being allowed to have gender expression. And that's not the case at all. So with gender reveal parties, like I was starting to say, it is not about revealing gender. It is about revealing what kind of genitals um, a fetus has. And when you put it in those terms, it's kind of weird. Uh, going further, most gender reveal parties are very, very entrenched in unhealthy gender stereotypes. Um, you know, even just enforcing, you know, pink is for girls and blue is for boys is harmful in its own way. Obviously, it's on the lower end compared to some gender stereotypes, but it's still really setting arbitrary rules that benefit no one around gender expression. I know we've seen all kinds of gender reveal parties where, you know, if they're having a, if the fetus, you know, the testing showed like, oh, this fetus has a penis, um, then, you know, they'll do something that has blue smoke. And if they're like, oh, this fetus has a vagina, um, they'll do stuff with pink smoke. And in some cases of gender reveal parties, that starts forest fires. That's a different issue. Um, please don't do these things in a drought. But, you know, going even further than that with gender reveal parties, you know, a lot of the time you'll see the decor for these and it will be things like boots or bows. And, you know, with boots being like, if it's a boy and with bows being, if it's a girl and just a lot of really unhealthy gender stereotypes that get put onto children and, and babies already. Now we're just starting it even earlier before they show up and in a more formal setting that's recorded for Facebook or Instagram. I mean, you know, it's certainly not uncommon, unfortunately, of, you know, an interaction, let's say someone has a new baby that's like, we'll say like a month old and someone, you know, maybe out at a store like sees the new parent with their baby and is like, oh my gosh, isn't she just so cute? She looks so sweet. And then the parent's like, oh, actually, like he's a boy. And the person might be like, oh, like, sorry, he looks so strong. He looks like such a lady killer. And so that uh, brings up a couple of problematic things. First, um, you know, people are much more uh, understanding and normal about if they accidentally misgender an infant that doesn't know English yet. <laughs> um, and the other issue is, you know, the enforcement of, of gender stereotypes. You know, it's the same infant no matter what, but it really seems to be that when people see an infant and they think it is a girl, they see that infant as being sweet and cute. Whereas if that infant is a boy, they feel compelled to say things, oh, he looks so strong. He 
looks like he's great with the ladies. He's a month old. Um, that's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, and just, you know, these gender stereotypes aren't healthy for anyone. And these gender reveal parties are not only really pushing those gender stereotypes even harder, but they're also really pushing just the cis-centric element of our society, this idea that everything that a person is boils down to what kind of genitals they have. And I just don't think we need that. I don't think it's good Mm -hmm. for people. And now we'll hear from Abby with another one of our Mabel's Fast Facts. At Mabel Wadsworth Center, we offer sexually transmitted infection testing and treatment, including rapid HIV testing, and we prescribe PrEP. Our services are always confidential. Learn more at MabelWadsworth.org. I never had considered before we we talked that really like the gender reveal parties are just sex reveal parties. They're not as we know, gender is a social construct and not like a definitive thing that an infant is going to like li- not live up to, but you know, live a life that necessarily like fulfills the gender that they were assigned um, at birth. So I guess the sex reveal parties that we just touched on seem like a very obvious example of uh, our way that our society enforces a centric gender binary because you never you know, you never see an infant that's gender is revealed as X. Um, so that's an obvious one, but do you have like other examples that like some people might not think of off the bat that are kind of an example of a cis-centric, cis-centric gender binary? Yeah. I mean, the cis-centric gender binary is everywhere. And one thing I want to touch on really quick that you just reminded me of, you know, that people don't have gender reveal parties for an infant that the parents are going to raise gender neutral. And like, I mean, maybe there's someone out there who has done it, but you know, the folks who I know who have like made the decision to raise their kid as gender neutral until their kid can say like, Hey, I am this, um, you know, they, they tend to treat it as not a super big deal and instead look at like, okay, like I just want to love my kid as they are. I don't need to like make a big deal about, what their genitals are or aren't, or whether or not I'm going to tell people. Um, but back to, you know, other examples of, you know, the cis-centric gender binary. I mean, we see it everywhere. It seems that, you know, most of the time when conversations around gender come up outside of like, you know, trans people talking about gender, most of the time there is something to do with enforcing a, cis-centric binary. You know, a lot of the time that can be more simple, like uh, in gym class, in elementary school, and the gym teacher is like, oh, the boys are on this side of the gym and the girls are on this side of the gym. And it's like, okay, like, Obviously, like anyone who's not in the gender binary, like which side of the gym do they get to go to? And in all likelihood, what this gym teacher is thinking is, you know, how we're defining gender is how we're defining it for cis people. I mean, we know this just in that a lot of trans youth aren't allowed to express themselves as they are. Um, 
to the point that even though it is illegal here in Maine, like it's not uncommon in a situation like that for if you had like a young trans kid in the class for them to be like, oh, I should be on the boy's side because I am a boy. And then the gym teacher to like correct them and make them go to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, a lot of things with the cis-centric gender binary that gets enforced, get enforced in childhood. You know, it's not just that I can think of, you know, being in like third or fourth grade and a teacher being like, oh, I need some big, strong boys to help me carry this chair. That's obviously enforcing, you know, the the gender binary. And it's also enforcing negative gender stereotypes that like, you know, all boys and men are physically strong and all girls and women aren't. Um, that's, you know, an example. I'm trying to think of some good examples that come up in adulthood. I mean, you know, it's not, oh, I know a good one now that I'm thinking of it because we were talking about quote unquote gender reveal parties. Um, baby showers are like a weird right. of enforcing like a cis-centric gender binary. Not all baby showers are. When I say this, I mean, it also can be like a, how the decorations are done. Sometimes, you know, the way the gender stereotype decorations are done for um, baby showers are the same as like gender reveal parties. But I'm thinking more of how the guest list is done. Now, I've been to some baby showers that like, the invite list is mixed gender. That's cool. I think that makes sense. Um, one thing though, that is really common with baby showers is that you only invite women, um, which is like a weirdly gendered thing to do. Like, yes, the majority of people who get pregnant are women, but not everyone. And it's not like the the baby showers that I have been to that, you know, have that sort of gendered guest list. It's not like they were like, oh, we're only inviting people who have already given birth um, or anything like that. You know, as someone who gets misgendered as a woman, I've been getting invited to, quote unquote, women's only baby showers since I was like eight. Um And that's just, you know, an example of something like that's just like very, uh, it seems very strange, you know, babies being brought into the world. That's, you know, that's a, takes a village to raise a child. You know, that should be a whole family, whole community thing and separating it out by gender. um, You know, I know some people, it might just be like, that's who is close to the pregnant person and that's fine. Um, But yeah, there are definitely other examples of how a cis-centric gender binary is, you know, really enforced in our society. I mean, if you can just name a gendered thing, you know, a lot of the time it won't really be about gender. What will really be about is sex and it will be about the assumption that all people are cis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was thinking even like bachelor and bachelorette parties um, is another one we, I think we've thought about and like, that's a good example. It's the, it's an odd thing to assume like all men are interested in 
like doing this. I mean, I understand like you're saying your friend is about to enter a, you know, it's like, I guess marriage is a, it's a rite of passage in, within the human experience. So it's like, it makes sense. You want your friends around to kind of be around during that time. But like the, the idea of like only inviting my male friends out to do these, like, and often they are very gendered activity or like, mm-hmm. per- like let's go to a strip club and see women who are dancing for our pleasure. And I don't know, it's just, especially baby shower though, you'd think like you'd want the people around that were going to be like family members or like people involved in the baby's life. And there's no way that that's like a, yeah, like you said, it takes a village. So like, I thank you for bringing up like the bachelor and bachelorette party example. Cause that just made me think, you know, like I um, have some friends who a couple of years ago, uh, you know, they had their adorable baby and um, you know, uh, that baby shower was like, you know, a mixed gender one. It, it, they invited just like all of their friends and family who they care about. And that was really nice. Cause I've been invited to like women's only baby showers and I didn't realize it until I was there. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just being misgendered by being invited. Okay, cool. Um, but the same couple who, you know, their baby shower was like mixed gender for people. Uh, when they got married, their bachelor and bachelorette parties, like they made a point of being like, Hey, like you can go to both of these if you want. Mm -hmm. Um, and really the reason why like it was separate at all was more just like, it was just like a fun night for the bride and groom to like hang out with friends and like the grooms, like close friends in this friend group are like mostly dudes and the bride's close friends in this friend group are mostly women, but they like made a point of like, you know, being like, Hey, like you can go to both if you want to. I only had time in my schedule to go to like one of them. Um, but you know, they were very considerate. And it's also funny because they also broke from normal tradition in that, like the bachelorette party was much more like partying and going out to a bar and like the bachelor party, I think they went bowling. Um, (laughs) could be wrong on that, but like, Yeah. And that's also a great example that you don't have to give up traditions and you can still be like inclusive of the trans people in your Mm -hmm. life. Like they didn't give up a baby shower. They just like had a cooler baby shower. They didn't give up having bachelor and bachelorette parties. They just like made sure to talk to the non-binary person in their friend group and let them know that like, hey, we want you to feel comfortable. Um, it's not that hard to do. It really isn't. It, I guess it's just when you said that, I'm like, it's such a simple, like, thing that it shouldn't even have to require creative thought. And then, like, you know, I think a lot of people are under, like, the kind of have a misconception about, like, people who um, are vocal about, like, being just trans inclusive and it's like we're unraveling the fabric of our nation and like destroying all these traditions and it's like okay no, we're just tr- yeah exactly um but i do yeah but as we said just like a minute ago gender reveal parties let's do away with those but yeah everything else can stay it's not um on this same topic about um oh sorry first we're going to actually take a break here and pause for another mabel's fast back with abby 
and we will be back in a minute to discuss um, coming out. Did you know U.S. taxpayer dollars have funded $1.5 billion for abstinence-only education programs since 1996, creating educational content that relies on fear tactics and censorship of accurate medical advice? Learn more. Check out our blog at MabelWadsworth.org in the News from Mabel section. As Aspen and I were talking, we realized that this topic is really big and wide ranging. So we're, we've decided to break this up into a multiple part series. We're going to save the rest of this conversation for our next episode. I think that's a great idea. Thanks for chatting with me about gender today, Kat. Thanks for answering all of my questions, Aspen. I'm really looking forward to our next installment of Reproductive Left in our interview with a trans educator.